I've been a little peaked myself, but I'm getting back to normal, I think they say. I don't know. I, I, you take drugs and you get back to normal, they say. So if I'm a little weird up here, that's what it is. Antibiotics, I'm good. Well, I trust that you, again, have, have had a great week. Would you stand as we begin our worship service and we can pray together and uh, begin to worship God? Father, I thank you for this morning, um, for those who are here, for those who you're still bringing in, for those who couldn't be here because they're not feeling well or other obligations, uh, that they would still feel a part of this body if they've had the opportunity to watch online and sing and be a part of this, that they would feel like they're still here, that we're thinking about them and praying for them. And for those of us who are here, the opportunity to be together with other Christians, to be encouraged, it's always a great thing. And I, I thank you for every life that's represented here, that you have changed, that you have made brand new including mine. Help us as we sing these songs to think about what we have in you, how much we should love you, how much we owe you for your sacrifice for us on the cross. Use the songs and your word and everything that's done today to bring glory to Jesus and to encourage us in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know if this is 70s Sunday or not. I'm doing a special that was written in the 70s. And this is a George Peterson song, which was from the 70s. Um, there's a lot, there was a, the Jesus movement happened in the early 70s. That was a good, good thing to be a part of and see so many young people that were excited about Jesus. And uh, this is a great song by George W. Peterson, John W. Peterson. Uh, Heaven Came Down. And glory filled my soul. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. After I'd wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy and telling He made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole My sins were washed away And my night was turned to day Heaven came down and glory filled my soul Born of the Spirit with light from above Into God's family divine Justified fully through Calvary's love, oh, what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made, when as a sinner I came. Took of the offer of grace, he did proper, he saved me, oh, praise his dear name. Heaven came down and glory.
my soul, my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, He made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Now I have a hope that will surely endure after the passing of time. I have a picture in heaven for sure, there in those mansions sublime. And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believe riches eternal and blessings supernal from His precious hand I receive. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me holy, made me my sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Just curious, how many of y'all sang that in youth group when you were kids? <laughs> oh, okay. That's pretty fun. Um, we sang a, a, a hymn very much like this last week, Crowning with Many Crowns is a great... Um, I'm thinking of when we all get to heaven, Jesus is going to be officially crowned the king of creation, the king of all the earth, and um, we'll be part of that coronation. This might be a great hymn to sing at that, to recognize that Jesus is Lord of all and to be, crown him with many crowns. to bring and lives that death may die 
crown him the Lord of heaven, one with the Father known, one with the Spirit through him given from yonder glorious throne. To thee be endless praise, for thou for us hast died. Be thou, Lord, through endless days, adored and magnified. Be thou, Lord, through endless days, adored and magnified. Thank you. you may be seated. In Psalm 55, the psalmist urges us when we have worries and frets and cares and things that uh, bother us and cause us to not trust in God, that we're supposed to cast those burdens upon the Lord and He will sustain us. In Peter, he writes that we're supposed to actually just roll our cares over on Jesus and leave them there. So cast thy burdens upon the Lord. And for the, if you're not familiar with it, uh, we'll sing it through all together. First time, the ladies will do the verse. The second time, and we'll join them on. Everyone will join them on evening, and then the men will do the third verse, and again, everyone on the evening. <coughs> Thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. As for me, I will call upon God. Upon the Lord, and He shall sustain 
shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord will sing. Everybody. This is one of my favorite hymns and one of the most beautiful, worshipful hymns that I've ever heard. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, let this be our prayer of worship in our hearts.
This was a um, <clears throat> song that was popular when I was, I think, just getting out of high school. Um, the idea that Jesus, his death on the cross, was for all of our hurts, everything that we go through in our lives, everything we struggle with. Uh, the the title of the song is for those tears I died and it's the, the the idea is no matter what you're going through in your life no matter what harm and hurt that you feel uh, Jesus Christ died for that to give you peace and joy in the midst of that for those tears I died said you'd come and share all my sorrows you said you'd be there for all my tomorrows I came so close to sending you away but just like you promised you came there to stay I just had to pray And Jesus said, come to the water Stand by my side I know you are thirsty You won't be denied I felt every teardrop when in darkness you cried And I strove to remind you That for those tears I died Your goodness so great I can't understand Dear Lord, I know that all this was planned I know you're here now And always will be Your love loosed my chains In you I'm free But Jesus, why me? And Jesus said, come to the water, stand by my side. I know you are thirsty, you won't be denied. I felt every teardrop when in darkness you cried. And 
And I strove to remind you That for those tears I die Jesus, I give you my heart and my soul I know that without God I'd never be whole Savior, you opened all the right doors I thank you, I praise you From earth's humble shores Take me, I'm yours And Jesus said, come to the water Stand by my side I know you are thirsty You won't be denied I felt every teardrop When in darkness you cried And I strove to remind you That for those tears I died I felt every teardrop When in darkness you cried And I strove to remind you That for those tears I died Our reading this morning will be Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, a time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, just for these verses to remind us um, of timing in our lives and just your sovereignty in it. We pray that you'd help us to see that, Lord, to understand as much as we can and to trust in you. We ask you to use these verses and others that Steve will reveal to us today to, to grasp that and to be 
uh, ones that are following you wholeheartedly, Lord, and excited about these times that you have for us. We praise you for it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all here on this Lord's Day. Glad you all can be with us. That song Steve sang, he asked me the other day, he had two different specials, and I said, this one. And I had little memories with that. It goes back for me to 1974. I was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for Camps Crusade for Christ uh, summer. It was a beach, uh, beach time and working and teaching and learning things. So it was a great time, but I learned that song, and I always remember it. In fact, I liked it so well that it, the address, you know, sheet that gave us the end of the summer, people's address, I wrote down the words. I still got that in my file cabinet, those words of that song. So anyway, um, we live in a world, as you know, that's uh, got problems. And uh, every day I turn on certain news and, you know, find out a little bit of what's going on. Uh, I reminded that verse this morning in Proverbs 15.3, it says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. So he sees everything good and bad. We look at the news, we see just a little, little bit. And, but it's enough to get me sometimes a little bit upset. Yesterday morning was one of those. I'm not going to tell you what I watched, but it just really sickened me uh, greatly. But I thought of three words this morning, three words of, of why we're here. And, and, and the one word is, is evil. There's evil out there, and there's righteousness and, and holiness here. There's error out there, and there's truth in here. There's enemies out there, and there are friends in here. So we need to be in a church uh, where there's truth and where there's friends and where there's righteousness. And so that's why we gather. We really need to be in a, in a place like this on a regular basis, and of course to fellowship too uh, with others during the week. That's what we need. We're talking about work in most uh, people, of course, in this world, they've worked different times. God wants us to be ones who work. And, of course, when I'm talking about work, that verse in Colossians 3 defines it. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do. We talked last week about work a little bit, looked at a number of truths and principles about how God wants us to work. There's three that I'll highlight. There's many more. You can get the message online if you'd like. But, but the one is that we're working for God. We're working for God, ultimately so, not for men. Two, we uh, are to be one, seeing that our work is to be spiritual work. Whatever we do is to be spiritual work. And, and three, we need to see that as we work, we're really fulfilling the purposes of God. We're doing the things he wants us to do, whether it relates to your own life, your family, your friends, this church here, or the world at large. We'll I have a number of other truths and principles to look at. I just want to go through these because this is so important. Because, again, this involves every day of your lives, no matter What's your age? Because God says, whatever your age, you're a believer, you're to be working for me. First one is this, is, is God has work for you to do. And, and, and you need to ask God to show you what this is. In Psalm 143, uh, the verse 8 and 10 says, Teach me the way in which I should walk. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me in every, on, on, on level ground. And so the point is, this is Pray. Ask God every day to show you specifically what he wants you to do on that day. And I also say this, pray for your life and others in general. 
that God leads you in the weeks and the months and the years ahead. And I do that sometimes. Lord, lead me this next month. Lead me this next year. Just in a general way. It's just to ask him to, to lead us. That's what he desires. It says in, in Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. And if we look to him and are humble and want to do what he wants us to do, he'll make sure that you know what he wants you to do. Second, be excited. Be glad that you can do God's work. Get up in the morning and look forward to the things that he has for you that day, the things that he has planned for you since eternity past. It's an amazing truth that he's done that. Psalm 40, verse 8, a verse I've mentioned before, says, I delight to do thy will, O God. And, I, and I'd hope that each one of you here would be at that point where you say, you know, I love to work for God. I just love to do the things he wants me to do. That's the heart that God wants. I love it. I get excited about doing his will, carrying out his plans for my life. And so think about this. Think about how you're actually working for God. All of you have had bosses, employers, working for some man, but, but you need to think, ultimately so, that you're working for God. He is your heavenly employer, and he has, has things for you to do today, this day, the 11th day of September, 2022. He has things this day, things, things this day for you to do that have lasting and eternal value. So I'm, I'm the kind of person, probably most of you are, you think about your day a little bit, it's the morning, what's going to happen today? Well, it's my sister's birthday, okay? September 11th, 52, okay? And I'm going to call her up. It's my wife's spiritual birthday today, back in September 11th, 1984. So we're going to have some pizza tonight, be together, and so we'll do that. And, and I need to mow the lawn. I mean, this rain is really making it hard to mow the lawn. And I, hopefully it's dry enough, but I need to get that lawn mowed. So there's things I do, but, but the, the, what to think about is that whatever you do, according to Colossians 3, you do for the Lord, it has a lasting value which is amazing. It's a, it's a remarkable thing. And so we should never think that anything in life that God wants us to do is too mundane. It's what God wants. It's all to be spiritual work. Thirdly, work with others. Many things, of course, that you do by yourself in life. You do lots of individual things. But, but God wants us as, as Christians, you know, at times to be working for others. That's what he wants here in the church. I'm in a church here with Bruce and and Ralph and Giovanni, uh, all fellow elders. And, and there's things, of course, that we do individually, but there's also things we do collectively. We work together. Now, the classic example, at least in my opinion, of, of, of this example of working with others is the marriage. The marriage, where you have a husband and a wife, and they are to be a team, and they're to be working together for God. The verse in Ecclesiastes 4 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. The verse in Genesis 2, um, God talking to Adam, I will make a helper suitable for him. Make a helper suitable. So God desires that. He wants us to be working with others. He doesn't want us just to be loners. Next point is be wise. Think before you do something. Think before. You've heard that phrase, work hard and work smart. You've heard that. When you work, think about what you're doing. When you're actually doing the work, think about it. Use your head. Use the brains that God gave you. Then you'll be more efficient. You'll be more effective, more uh, pr- productive for the Lord. So do that. And, and, and I also say, and you all know this, there's certain tasks in life that are really routine. You don't need to think. So in our house, I mean, everyone's different, but we have a dishwasher and we run it once in a while. But I like doing dishes, so I'm the dishwasher. Marcia does a lot of other things in the house cleaning. She's the vacuum cleaner. I mean, but I'm the dishwasher, so I like washing dishes. But it doesn't, you don't have to think 
washing dishes, right? You just don't need to think. You can pray, you can sing, you can listen to something on the computer, some message. And, and of course, it's that principle of multitasking, which you've all heard about. And it's good to do that when you're working. If there's something you can do, some task, some mundane, you know. Uh, like oftentimes, I, I, I have, I clip roses, that is, the, they're called the deadheads. And oftentimes, I'll, I'll be on the phone to somebody. I don't need to think when I'm clipping, you know, a dead rose off. I could just talk to somebody else. So that's important to think about your life, how to make the most of the time in that way. Next one, working, get advice from others. Don't try to figure out everything yourself. Children, of course, need to learn from their parents. That's why children have parents, so they can learn from them. And God wants all of us here, and I'm not saying in every situation, but, but you understand principally that God wants us to be humble, to learn from others, to ask others advice, to, to you know, whatever it might be. Now, of course, in life, thinking big picture things like raising a family or, or sharing the gospel or making disciples, learn from others. In fact, just this morning, our daughter, one daughter's up in Charlotte, and she's going to a Sunday school class at her church this morning on how to share the gospel because she wants to learn. That's a good thing. That's being humble. That's what God wants for us. The verse, it's just, you've heard this one, I believe, Proverbs twelve fifteen. A wise man is he who listens to counsel. And, and, and you all see people, and hopefully this doesn't happen to you, but people out there, they're just stubborn. They just want to do whatever they want. They do that, they're going to have problems. Guaranteed problems for those people who think they know it all. God wants us to be wise and learning from others. Next priorities, do the critical, most important tasks. First, when I think about my life, I think of three words, my work that is. For the church, it's preaching, prayer, and people. Preaching, prayer, and people. And so the preaching and prayer, and this is just like, that's, that's really a priority for me. People are too. But the preaching and prayer is the morning. My wife knows this. She knows, hey, the morning time, I'm in my office, you know. Don't bother me. I'm working on messages, praying. That's what I do. That's what I focus on. People is oftentimes more in the afternoon. For example, Thursday, I'm planning to have lunch with Giovanni and Raphael. You know, Raphael, pastor of the church, and also Ken Fuller. Called him up. He was in Mexico the other day. And, and he, he really likes us. He wants to get together. He's going to have lunch at some Spanish restaurant. So that's, that's, that's how I define my life. And God wants to be once where we think about our life, and you prioritize. Do the most important things first. And you may even want to write it down. But I was thinking about Jesus. I mean, you know, he was, we read the, particularly the Gospel of John, it's, it's very clear that he was praying a lot to his Father. And there's no doubt, man, all these things going on. I mean, all these people and all this, whether it's disciples or people out there, and, and he was thinking, and there's no doubt that he was prioritizing and, of course, the Father was leading him in the work that he wanted. And so, too, with us as you go through life. And sometimes during a day there, you might have a choice. If there's a couple things to do, and you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? You pray, and he, he will make it clear. He will lead. And so that's, that's what God wants for us. Next, as a Christian, use your spiritual gifts, your effectiveness, your usefulness, your success as a Christian. is oftentimes seen when you use your spiritual gift. If you think about godly Christians used by, used by the Lord, and, and most often, you'll see that their success relates to the spiritual gift that they have. And that's true here. You think about people in this church and how God used them, it so much relates to their spiritual gift, and so too, is, so too for yourself. First Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. Each one, each one of you as a believer have received a special gift. It says you're to employ it, you're to use it for the sake of others. It's very, very clear. It may be faith. Maybe mercy, maybe serving, maybe teaching, maybe exhortation, maybe leading. 
number of different gifts given to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, also Romans 12, other places. And God wants to be ones who are using our gifts for the good of others. Next point here is, is God works through you. Turn to Psalm 127. God works through you. This is a, really a, a important and an encouraging, amazing truth. First, Psalm 127, 1 and 2. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake, awake in vain. That is, we see there builders are laboring and watchmen are guarding the city, but what we see is that God is working through them. And any work that we do must be seen as God working through us by his by his strength. That's, that's how we need to see life. And if we think our work is by our effort and for our glory, then it's worthless. It's useless. It's in vain. That is, we can do things, we can do spiritual things, but in our own effort and for our own glory, and it's worthless. That's what I'm saying. That's what we need to see here. If that happens, then we're leaving God out of the picture. We're not trusting God. We are looking to ourselves and and not to him. Forgetting that God then, even it's important, God gives you all the strength and all the ability to do whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. 1 Corinthians 15, it says, I am what I am by the grace of God. What a simple verse. I remember Gary Galligan, who was years here years ago, but, but that was one of his favorite verses, him and Janice. I am what I am by the grace of God. And that verse, you know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, so again, remember, whatever you're doing for the Lord, whatever it might be, some menial task, mowing the lawn, God gives you the strength to do it. Or being another Christian, or serving a saint, or praying. It's, it's God's ability through and through, first to last. It's always God wants to work through you. Now, it talks there, uh, says... Um, Verse 2, it's a vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, forgives to his beloved even in his sleep. What does this say to us? Is that, is that this isn't saying we can't stay up late and do work. But if we stay up late and do work, thinking the work depends solely on us, that then is wrong thinking. That's when we are leaving God out of the picture and thinking, hey, it's all up to me. So we've got to be careful. You know, we do something. Again, you, all of you have stayed up late at times. And sometimes God wants you to do that. Sometimes you just burn an oil you don't need to burn because God wants to give to you, wants to bless you even as you are sleeping. This verse here in 1 Corinthians 3. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So anything in your life, in this church, anything you do, you might do something. Somebody else might do something. But God then is ultimately causing the growth. He, he is the one that's doing it. And so, you know, this, this, this uh, sleep then, we talked about sleep here. God wants you then to get enough sleep. In fact, I got a, a handout, I, I might give it to some of you, but it's, it's the best article, I thought, with regard to sleep that I've ever read. And it's just really, really helpful. Because at least, well, about a third of our life is sleep. And if you want to think about life, you can think about, well, there's working and there's sleeping, Okay. Because when we're waking, whatever we do, we're to be serving the Lord, right? So there's awake and there's sleep. And so the point here is God wants us to get to bed. He wants us to get enough time to sleep. 
because that then shows that we're trusting him to do the work. That's what's really happening there. Work done apart from God, it says there in that verse, is painful work. It's, it's selfish work. It's not that which is given and glorifying. It's not that which is glorifying God. It's really then useless work. Next, God eternally rewards earthly work. We mentioned this last week. In the next two weeks, maybe the next three weeks, we're going to talk exclusively about this one subject. It is so, so important. I think you'll be very encouraged, very excited, and sober. Let me say that too, by this subject of earthly work results in eternal rewards. Now, you all understand earthly work. You've all, I assume, had jobs. You get paid for your jobs. You get your, whether it's every week or every two weeks or once a month, you understand earthly pay for earthly work. But we're talking here about work you do for God, by his power, for his glory, by faith, and he rewards that, eternally so, eternally. We're going to look at many verses. I'll just read a couple here. Revelation twenty-two twelve. Behold, this is Jesus. He says, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me and to give to everyone according to what he has done. You can't miss it. God's going to reward you according to what you've done. Next one, turn if you want, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3. First Corinthians 3, verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Can't miss it, can you? Your own reward for your own labor. Then we go on down, verses 13 and 14. Each man's work will become evident for the day. will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he'll receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, but his, he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. That's why it's sobering here, because this is talking about Christians and non-Christians. Some Christians are going to be going through light, but they're not really doing much for God, and you know, their works will be burned up in general. It's talking in general there. But, but that should motivate you. Man, I want to work for God. <laughs> I want to serve him. I want to be rewarded. I don't want my works to be burned up. That should really encourage your heart. That's what he tells us there in many other places. Next point, we'll take a little longer, is we're to work hard. We're to work hard. 2 Timothy 2.6, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. This word hardworking, defined, means, quote, to toil intensely, to sweat, and train to the point of exhaustion. Hard-working farmer, starts early in the morning, he works till sundown. That's what he do. He has work to do, and he has to work hard till he gets it all done. That's how it happens. Might be raising a crop, might be you know, raising animals, one of the two, or other things like that. At the end of the day, he's tired, he's worn out, he's exhausted. That's what happens. And, and hard-working farmer, he's going to be tired. Now, this whole concept, at least it's my opinion here, of being tired and exhausted, I think is becoming more and more foreign to our culture. How many people do you see that? They really work hard. At the end of the day, they're really tired. They're home, man. They put their feet up. Boy, they fall asleep before supper, you know. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And it's poo-pooed a lot in this culture. Oh, yeah, just take it easy. 
put your feet up, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I saw this my grandfather. He was a farmer. So I know what it's like. I'd go there every summer, in the 60s anyway, for about two weeks. Remember in the morning, I'd wake up, you know, up in Iowa, northwest Iowa, middle of July, the sun's come through the window about 5 o'clock. He was up. He was working. I hear the, the clang of the pig feeders, the cylindrical thing out there in the, you know, a pig lot, and that's where the pigs would feed, and he'd feed them, and they'd clanging away. And of course, then I could smell the bacon cooking down in the kitchen. My grandma was already up too, of course. They had four meals back then. They had breakfast, lunch, dinner, and supper. Please understand, this is how it works. Breakfast at five o'clock, lunch is at 10 o'clock. And so when I was there in the summer, one of my jobs was to go give him a lunch. Okay, he's out there and he didn't want to come in. He didn't want to take time off. He had to keep working and work hard. And so I'd go out there and it wasn't that far, maybe half mile walk. I'd have my lunch with him. His lunch, it was my grandma's homemade bread. And some of you might have moms or grandmas that made that great homemade bread. My grandma's bread was really, really good. So that homemade bread and it was summer sausage. They'd make their own summer sausage. That was typically what we had. And then he'd have a, a cookie or bar. And for whatever reason, this hot coffee in the thermos, I have no idea why on this hot summer day why he wanted hot coffee, but that was it. I'd take it out. So he had breakfast. He had lunch about 10, then come back in about 1 for dinner, and then at supper about 6 o'clock. That was his day. He was a hard-working farmer. He died suddenly in the farm lot when he was about 63, 62, this is back late 60s, of a heart attack. He fell over. That was it, okay? Hard-working farmer. He's thinking, oh, Steve, you all right? I'm fine. I've been to the heart doctor, and I pray and try to stay in shape. In fact, a week from Today, or a month from today, October 11th, I'm going to the heart doctor, just a regular checkup, so don't worry. God's always in charge. He knows what he has for us. But, but the point is, he worked hard. And then on Sundays, he went to church in the morning, the nap, in the afternoon, he took a nap. That was, that was his life, hard-working farmer. But more on this subject, the hard-working farmer is diligent. The word diligent means constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken, Persistent exertion of body and mind. Hardworking person is focused on the work and continues to work whether he feels like it or not. In this feelings-driven culture, we go by how we feel, by our emotions. A hardworking person learns to work no matter how he feels, okay? He's attentive, doesn't get distracted, doesn't get thinking about other things, doesn't get daydreaming. He's focused on doing the work. He's using his mind, his soul, and his body, and he gets the work done. He has a job to do, and he gets it done. That's what we're saying here. He's one who's wholehearted. It talks about this in Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. You're wholehearted in your work. You're wholehearted. You want to please the Lord. You want to do what he wants. You work and you keep working until, again, the job is done. At the end of a day, a person who works hard, his mind and his body might be tired. It's somebody like me, it's not so much my body, it's my mind. It's fine for a mind to get tired. You know, that's, that's good. Or a body. I mean, again, we're to work. I mean, sometimes they, I'm going to work too much and I'm just going to die. No, no. It's, it's really hard to work too much. It really is. We underestimate the ability that God gives us in our body, both mentally and physically, to do the work. We have tremendous capacity in our physiological structure to do what God wants, whether it's mental, physical, or both. 
And so we might get tired, but it's worth it. Again, as we think about our work and realize that it's eternal work and that it'll be eternally blessed. It's a wonderful thing, again, that we can work. Sometimes our work is tedious, repetitious, boring. God wants us to keep working, to not give up, to not quit, and to persevere until the work is done. I'm taking more time, just a little more time, on this particular subject because it's a need in the lives of people in our present day culture. We live in a culture where people have lots of free time, lots of distractions, lots of things they can do. And God wants us to be ones then who are working. As I sort of indicated before, it's not popular being a hard worker. A hundred years ago, you're all aware of this, I believe, you know the you look back, what happened early 20s, teens, 20s, 30s, 19th, 20th century, that is. People working how many days a week usually? What was it? Six. Six days a week. Get to the 50s and 60s, 70s, it changed to five. Okay, five days a week. Now you know it's going to four, some places three. I'm not saying you can't have a three-day work week working 12 hours a day, but everything's moving that way. You know what 35 is over 168, 168 being the number of hours you have in a week? It's, it's about 20%. So for a lot of people today, their work week is about 21 or 22%. That's it. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying we can't do that. I'm just saying that's sort of where our culture is at. This emphasis then on your free time. As children, then, we need to be doing God's work and to be diligent in all the work that he wants us to do, not to be lazy, not to be sluggard, not to be doing that which is sinful or unproductive, but to be a hard worker for him. That's what he desires. Next would be faithful workers. God wants us to keep working day after day, week after week, year after year. Important truth here is pace. You've got to pace yourself. Because just saying that sounds arduous. Oh, man, every day... Week after week, I've learned to take one day at a time. Hope you've learned to take one day at a time. Now, sometimes I think about, maybe worry about tomorrow, the next day, but in general, that's how God wants to think. One day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time, one year at a time. Pace yourself, pace yourself, pace yourself. Get your sleep, get your rest. I, I've told you this, I, I swim, my goal is six days a week. Noon hour, 12.30, not far, I don't go far. I'm, not, I'm, I'm old, okay? I can't swim that hard. But I go about a half a mile. I need to to stay in shape. That's part of pacing myself is physical exercise. Get enough sleep, get enough exercise, get the right food. That's what God wants for all of us here. That's what he desires. So we're to, we're to persevere in our work. We're to, as I said before, we're to keep on working whether we feel like it or not. Where to, where to work, whether work is boring or whether you're tired. I mean, for me, about every day, two or three, I get that, I guess it's the after lunch tiredness, you know, and sometimes then I'll get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or something, whatever. But you keep working. I got to push through this 30, is that 30 minutes? I just feel tired. I love taking now. I just keep working. Push through it, okay? That's what God wants. And then usually with my naps and I've said before, I'm more and more taking naps late afternoon about 5. That's what I do. Not long, but 20, 30 minutes. Because I need to keep pacing myself. But the point is, we, sometimes it's hard to work. We get older. Sometimes you don't physically feel like it. 
All of you understand that there are times when you are sick enough you should stay home from work or you just can't work, you know, whatever it might be, even if you're retired, you just can't, you know. But, but sometimes you're not feeling that bad, and then you work. That's hard, you know what I'm saying, to work when you don't feel that good. But you're not going to stay home all day. And so this is what God wants. Keep working. You may not like your employer. You may not like your job. Or this happens, too, I'm sure for every one of you. There's difficult things going on in your life personally or in your family, and you're a little bit distracted, but you still got to go to work. Still got to work. Go, get going. God, help me to compartmentalize here. Not think about that. Just do the work that I need to do that's before me here. One of the hardest things, I'll say this from experience, is to keep working through the years, when you're in your, even when you're in your 50s or 60s or older. It's harder. You've worked for 30 or 40 years or more already, and you're still going. It's not easy. It's not easy. Especially in this culture, as we talked about, when people are, you know, you're at some place of work, and, and I'm, again, using this phrase, eat, drink, and be merry. And this, if you're at a workplace, this happens with some frequency. Well, what are you guys having for supper tonight? Oh, we're going out to eat. I mean, it's just a common thing. They're talking about the next meal, okay? Or it's a Thursday. What are you doing this weekend? And I'm not saying we can't talk about weekends or what we're going to do, and I can't do things, but, but that's just so the mentality. Thinking ahead to that next vacation, Thinking ahead to retirement. It's, it's huge. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's Luke 12, 19. Eat, drink, and to be merry, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, and then tomorrow we die. That is, that's how some people think that this life is all there is. Get all the gusto that you can out of it. Now, here's some keys. We've talked about some before. Keys to being a faithful worker. Take God's grace. You need God's grace. I mean, I, I get up in the morning. I, I, I'm not jumping out of bed, okay, at my age. I'm not jumping out, boys, go get them today. I don't feel like that, okay? Uh, maybe you do. <laughs> I don't. Okay, God, give me the grace, you know, get my cup of coffee. I sit and watch a little bit of the news, get my mind awake, then I go have my quiet time. That's what I do. That's my morning routine. God gives grace for that new day. That's what he wants to do. Secondly, again, knowing you're working for God. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. I'm working for you today, Lord. You're my boss. And again, know that your work has eternal value and its result in eternal rewards. Next point is this. We're to be honest workers. As a Christian, you're to put in a full day's work. We live in a culture where people aren't always honest. If you get paid for 40 hours of work, you should work 40 hours. And I mean work. Just balance. Here's the time of work. Here's the pay. A just balance. It equals out. Is God's delight. That's Proverbs uh, 11, verse 1. And so, your work, you know, a lot of people, hey, they're looking at their phone, they're texting, they're playing some games, you know, and whatever, you know, kind of job it is. God wants you to work. If you're getting paid for that hour of work, you work that hour. And I know some bosses aren't as, as you know, hardcore on that, if you want to say it that way. And they might give you some lenders. That's fine. But, but you want to be honest. You don't want to be hiding. I'm, well, he, he saw, I, I can't let my boss see what I'm doing here. That's not the right heart. You know what I'm saying. You work hard for the Lord. You get paid for the work that you do. Get to work on time. Check out on time. Don't, don't extend your lunch break or your other breaks beyond what they are slotted to be. Next, be cheerful workers. God wants us to be positive 
an upbeat, to be glad in our works. We're not to be complaining or grumbling again about the work we do or fellow employees or our employer. Those of you who have been at a workplace understand this is one of the more common things. People complaining about something. It could be the temperature, something. It, it's, in fact, for us as Christians, it can be hard not to fall into that. We're just prone as our culture to want to complain about something, not be thankful, not be glad. And so I will say this, though. If you're working at some place and you're a Christian and you're not complaining, you're not grumbling, you have a good attitude, the others see it. He says, man, he's, he's always seemed to be positive. I mean, it's just obvious. People are, there's so much complaining going on that it's just all over the place. But if you're out there and you're shining like a light, it makes a difference. And that's a great testimony to have, to be positive at your work. It says in Philippians 2, do all things without grumbling or complaining. All things without grumbling or complaining. That's a tough, that's a tough command. It really is. But that's what God wants for each one of us here. Next, the work you're doing for God is coming to an end. You only have so much work to do and only so much time to do it. John 9, 4 says, your life and there's, says, says, we must work the works of him who sent me. As long as day, night is coming when no one can work. I mean, do you think about this? Do you think about that you have only so much time and only so much work to do and so much time to do that work? Your life on this earth will end someday. That's it. That's it. It will end someday. Then your work and your time will be over. That's it. And it won't be long from now. I mean, I, I recognize this. Okay, you see this rock here, right? You all have seen it. You wonder what that is? See this rock here? Okay. This is the length of my life, Okay. It's 25 inches, but to my 68 years or whatever. This is where I'm at now. If I lived 80, I got this much time left. That's it. I got a picture at home where there's a rock like this on the top of the picture frame. I want to see it. I want to see it. And some of you are really close to here. Maybe here. Some of you are back here. You see? But it's good to think about your life. You only got so much time left, so much work to do. And God knows what he wants you to do. I, I just get so excited about this. Wow. I got so many years, whether it's 10 or 15 or 20. I don't know. I have no idea. But there's so much time. God knows. So much work. God knows. Do the work he wants you to do. That's what he wants. Look up there. I want to see it. Okay. And so, for God... You don't want any regrets. You want to look back with satisfaction on the time of your life and the work that you did for God. No regrets. You want to say that you did what God wanted you to do, at least in general, because none of us are perfect. And you want to say that you brought glory to God by doing the work he wanted you to do. John 17, 4. And one day, and this is sobering, you'll give an account of yourself of your life to God, to Christ. Two verses on this for Romans 13, 12. Each one of us, each one of us here, each person in the whole wide world, believer and unbeliever, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. 
That's one of the most sobering verses of the Bible, in my opinion. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Does not that affect how you think about your day and tomorrow and this week and what you do for God and how you use your time? Each one of us. But it's a wonderful truth because God wants to bless us. And the things that we don't do for God will be burned up. We saw that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This one here, the second is 5, 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may be recompensed or rewarded. Why are we appearing? Because God then hands out the rewards. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we each may be rewarded according to the deeds, says, done in the body. Your life here on this earth. We're going to conclude now talking just briefly about the examples of people in the Bible. And I mentioned this last week, but when you look at, 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 at the godly people, I'm talking about godly people, and there's hundreds of, literally hundreds of stories of godly people in the Bible and the work they did for God. But that's what you see. When you read about some godly person, it, I, I can't think of any example where it doesn't. When you read about somebody in the Bible, it's always what they're doing for God. It's like always. And so that motivates me. Well, okay, they're written up. And they had this little, well, there's a whole chapter or just one verse. And that's what they did for God. And it's very encouraging to see that. It makes me think then, what does God have for me? I need to be doing what he wants. So I'm just going to give you a few examples. You know all these examples. Well, most of them. There's Noah. What was his work? Built the ark. Needed to. Save the world, right? That wouldn't have been easy work, doing something nobody had ever done before and getting persecution at the same time. There's Abraham. And he believed God. Read that in, in, back in Genesis 12, Hebrews 11. He traveled to a strange place, foreign land, foreign people, foreign language. And he was faithful to do what God wanted him to do. But he also had servants. I want, you, I want to see something. Most people don't realize this. But go back to Genesis 14. Some people think about Abraham. Oh, he's just sitting there for 20, 30, 40 years waiting for the promise to come true. <laughs> now, he, 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 he worked. 14, Genesis 14 to 13. fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eschol and brother of Anar, and these were allies with Abraham. Abram, when Abram heard that his relative, that is Lot, had been taken captive, he led out his trained men, born in his house. 318. <laughs> He's exact. I like this specificity here. 318 trained men and went in pursuit. He wanted to get his nephew back as far as that. He divided his forces against them by night. He's smart. He's thinking, man, this is strategy. By night. He didn't wait. Hey, get a good night's sleep, you guys. We'll go get him tomorrow. No, we're going to go at him tonight. We're going to surprise him. We're going to divide in two and go get him. And defeated them. Pursued them as far as Hobah, and, which is north of Damascus. He brought back all the, all the goods and also brought back his relative lot with his possessions and also the women and the people. I like that. That's Abraham was working for the Lord. There's Joseph. You know what his job was? He was there second in charge in Egypt under Pharaoh, and God used him. What was his primary mission? To basically save his family, fellow Israelites, because there was a famine in the land up north, and, and that's how God used him there. Moses, who led the Jews out of Egypt through the desert up to the promised land. And I've said this before, just repeat myself. He worked when? He lived how long? 120 years? 
And when was this work? Okay. It's the last part of his life. That was it. Last part. 40 years. Some of you here, just be honest, understand that, you know, you're in the last years of your life. They define that to be 5 or 10 or 15 or 20, 25. You know you're in the last years of your life. And so what are you doing for God? What are you doing for God? Don't be like the unbelievers. I'm not saying you can't relax. I'm not saying you can't take a vacation. I'm not saying you can't put your feet up or even watch the Bucks tonight. Hopefully they beat Dallas. But I'm not saying you can't do that. But in general, you're working for the Lord all your life, whatever you do. And pace yourself. God will give grace each day, one day at a time. There's Joshua who led the Israelites in defeating all their enemies. Turn to Joshua chapter 11. I want you to see this here. Joshua chapter 11. And we're just going to read the conclusion. We see, I think it's back chapter 7 or so where we started going after the enemy. Joshua 23, 11, Joshua 11, 23. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord has spoken to Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to their division by their tribes. Thus the land had rest for more. That is, God. Joshua finished the work. Now there's a little discussion later about certain parts, maybe not completely so, but basically he finished the work. Verse chapter 12, these are the kings of the land whom the sons of Israel defeated and whose land they possessed beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise from the valley of the Arnon as far as Mount Hermon and all the, all the Arab to the east. And then it goes on to verse 24, the same chapter, in all 31 kings. So it summarizes he did the work. That was Joshua's primary work, to take the land, and he did it. He did it. There's Deborah, you know the story of Deborah, Judges 4, Judges 5. She was a, uh, a judge, and she helped the Israelites defeat the enemy. A verse, I like this verse here. It's in verse 21. March on, oh, it's Deborah's song. March on, oh, my soul, be strong. As a Christian, keep going. March on, oh, my soul, because that's where life starts in your soul, in your heart, your relationship with God. Be strong. March on, oh, my soul, be strong. Now, Deborah, what might have been some difficulties she faced? Think about it. It's a really simple question, simple answer. Deborah was a what? Woman. Oh, man. Do you think some men ever sort of looked at her funny or said some things to her? She was a woman. But she did the work that God wanted her to do. If we keep going, there's Jeremiah, prophet of the Jews. And what was his job? Jeremiah, I think it's a I'm not sure if that's the longest book in the Bible. He was telling the Jews, particularly those in Jerusalem area, about what? The coming judgment. Did they listen? No. You've all talked to people. If you talked to somebody, they didn't listen to you. Did you do that? Have you ever done that? They didn't listen? Did you keep talking? Maybe a little bit. Doesn't take too long, and you say, that's it, I'm done right? If they don't listen, you quit. Jeremiah was commanded by God. He went 41 years. That was his work. Oh, what a job. 41 years of preaching 
this message of judgment and warning and repentance to the Israelites, and basically they did not listen. There's Nehemiah, you know, his job, his main job was building the wall. Nehemiah 4, great chapter, because Nehemiah had what? And Nehemiah 4 talks about this as good as any book in the whole Bible. Nehemiah had what? Enemies. Enemies. But he fought. Not fought. He kept building. He kept doing the work that God wants. So this is the lesson is simple. is that sometimes they're going through life and there's enemies. Well, in that verse, I'm not sure if it's chapter 5 or 6, but it says he did not get off the wall. Stay on the wall. Stay at the task God has given you. You might be distracted. You might be attacked. You might have problems. might be conflicts. Stay on the wall. Stay in the wall. There's Mary, Mother Jesus. She labored, giving birth to Jesus. Women understand, children understand what that means. She labored. Then she raised him. And I would say her real work was what? Yes, giving birth, but how many years did she raise him? How many was it? Thirty. Thirty-year job for Mary. Do you think she felt the responsibility? Do you think she felt the pressure at times? And God would say, well, don't worry about it. It's all right. But no, she still felt it. She was the mother of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ himself, the Messiah. And she kept going for 30 years. There's Anna. I mentioned her before, Luke chapter 2. She was praying around the clock. And she was how old? 84. 84. There's Tabitha. Acts 9. End of her life. What was she doing? Working hard by sewing clothes. Giving them to the poor. At the end of her life. Okay. There's Epaphras, Colossians 4, worked hard in prayer. I, I, I'll say this to myself, okay? I'm preaching to myself and all of us. Is I probably don't work hard in prayer like I ought. But to really work hard in prayer, it is mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically draining. He worked hard in prayer. Peter worked hard by helping lead the early church, building up the saints. Paul, we can read the same about him. A couple verses about Paul and how he worked hard. There's the one in Philippians 2. He says, says um, I'm poured out like a drink offering. I'm poured out. To be poured out means I'm giving it all of a God. Or the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, says I will... Glad, most gladly spend and be spent for your sake. You know what it means to be spent. I will spend my life. I'm not just spend my life. I'm going to be spent. I'm going to give it all up. Everything I've got is for you. Everything, everything, everything. There's Paul's nephew. This is, you may not know about Paul's nephew. I'm not going to read it here. But you go to Acts 23, verse 12. You can jot that down. I believe it's in the notes there. Acts 23, 12 and following to verse 22, it talks about Paul's nephew. God used Paul's nephew. I believe Paul's nephew was a believer. And all we know that he did, it was his main job, was God used him to keep Paul alive because he you know, sort of squealed on the bad guys and told the good guys, and they got Paul out of there. That's Paul's nephew. Turn to Romans chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 3, his conclusion here to the, his epistle to the Romans, he talked about all these people. 
And um, verse 3, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Not the only place where he talks about other believers being workers. How do you define them? They're workers, my fellow workers. Then go to verse 6, greet Mary who has worked hard for you. Verse 9, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ and Stachys, my beloved. Verse 12, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. So if, if you want to think about one theme, in all these verses that appears, and appears here, what, four or five times, is they worked. And someone says they worked hard. So we have the example given to us right there. And so as you think about your life, um, God has worked for you. A special work. Work that no one else in the world has to do. That should excite you. Now maybe, maybe you might be a little bit nervous. Oh, well, God will help you. Because I was probably, when I was a younger Christian, a little bit nervous too and not sure of myself. But God will give you the confidence. He'll give you the grace. He'll give you the strength to do what he wants you to do, to know what he wants you to do, to do what he wants you to do, and to keep doing it. That's, that's what he wants. And he wants you as a Christian to be in that place where you are, hey, I'm committed. That song, I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm going to be working for God till the day I die. That's what he wants you to say. Right? We all know that. In some ways it's hard to say that. Because, wow, okay. But God's with you. You know, you got all those verses, do not fear, for I am with you. Two verses to conclude with 2 Chronicles 31. 2 Chronicles 31, 20 and 21. Hezekiah, verse 20. Second Chronicles 31, verse 20. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good, right, and true before the Lord his God. I like that. He did what was good. He did what was right. He did what was true. Every work which he began in the service of the house of God in law and in commandment, seeking his God, he did with all his heart and prospered. See the keys? Seeking God. And he did with all his heart. He basically worked hard. Finally, these verses, you know, 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For your work in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We bless you for giving us these few minutes together. Again, we're, we're thankful that we can be a, a church here. Yes, a small church, but a family of believers who's together for you. We can have the fellowship, the love, the truth, Lord, all these things, the, the protection we need. Uh, being in this church, away from the world, thank you for this time. Thank you for each one here. I pray, Father, that in a very special person way, your hand be upon everyone here. I pray, God, you'd comfort them by your grace, by your peace, by your spirit. Give them assurance of their salvation. Give them assurance of their relationship with you. Lead them, Lord, in this life here, really this short life. Help them, God, to do the work that you want them to do. Give them that confidence and just in their hearts where they know that you really love them. You've got special plans for their lives and learning them to take one day at a time. One day at a time until that time we meet you in heaven. What a day that'll be. We'll be commended, as it says in Matthew 25. Jesus said, well done, good and faithful.
faithful servant. That's what we want to hear from you. But thank you for each one here, Lord. Again, lead us, and we need protection. We know we live in this evil world that's getting more evil, more wicked by the day. I cannot believe sometimes the things I see and hear and read. It's just, wow. But God, I thank you that you're in charge, that you will lead us. Might we then see what an opportunity to be a light by our life, by our example, by our words, by sharing the gospel. So God, help each of us here, wherever we're at, whoever we're with, to be a light be a testimony. And again, sometimes it's just the things we do. Sometimes it's the things we say. Sometimes it's the things we not don't say. But again, use us here. Thank you for Bethel. Pray for Raphael and all their members there. Lord, I just pray for your blessing upon them that you lead them to. Thank you for them being here. So again, lead us as we go on from today, this day, this September 11th, Lord. Thank you for this day. It's the day of the Lord. Day of the Lord. You've made it. Let us rejoice and be glad in. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Activities coming up, we've got our Bible study this Wednesday, uh, 6.45, welcome to come out for that. Then uh, two Sundays away, we'll have our Matthew meal coming up quickly, September the 25th. Um, and a couple other things, wanted to mention, we've been talking about a um, one-time ladies' event, uh, just doing a plan of that. So next Sunday, if any of you ladies would like to stick around afterwards and just discuss some uh, events that might be of interest to you and then come to a consensus on what that might be, um, whether it's a one-time conference or whatever it might be, Bible study, etc. cetera. Um, <clears throat> so keep that in mind after church next Sunday. And then also wanted to mention, Steve pointed out the... Uh, value in, uh, as we're serving the Lord, to seek counsel, to be humble to do that, and just wanted to mention that uh, church leadership is available for that if you'd like uh, to bounce any questions off of uh, Giovanni, Ralph, myself, or Steve. Um, feel free to seek us out after church. Give us a call, whatever's good for you. Just wanted to know that uh, there's availability there, or fellow friends that you might have that are believers, um, but definitely seek counsel from believers on, on your life um, versus unbeliever. So uh, keep that in mind. And now we have our last uh, song and uh, offering. You can give with the uh, box on the back table or mail it in or give online. Thank you. Maybe the ladies could have a roller skating party or something. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Oh, okay. Would you stand as we do our last couple of songs? Steve's been talking and sharing with us about our lives and knowing what our job is that God has for us. And um, part of that, he's... 
is looking in God's word and understanding. Proverbs 3, 1 to 6 is a great set of verses for understanding the will of God for us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. It's uh, out of tune, doesn't it? I got, I got a new string, and every once in a while it goes whack, wacko on me. We'll see what happens. Whoa, somebody. Let's go to the show. Thank you, sir. We may have to do it a cappella. We can't figure out what's wrong. again. It still don't sound right, does it? Huh? We have to sing it off key, I guess. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. My son, forget not my love, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace, they will add unto you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. Find favor with God and with man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path.
Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us. For our use thy foes prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus. Thou hast bought us, thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us, Thine we are. We are Thou, do Thou befriend us, Be the guardian of Thy way. Keep Thy flock from sin, defend us, Seek us when we go astray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Thou hast promised to receive us, poor and sinful though we be. Thou hast mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse and power to free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, ever let us turn to Thee. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, let us turn, turn to Thee. Early let us seek Thy favor, early let us do Thy will. Blessed Lord and only Savior, with thy love our beings fill. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Benediction from Hebrews 13. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>